Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. So what is the journey of poop and why should this matter to you? Most people don't think about poop once it leaves their house, but it's actually pretty cool. Wastewater issues are all around us and there's challenges with rising costs, resource constraint, how to properly use it. And you know what? I'm sure glad we have people like Camilo Guzman, who spent a large part of his life thinking about these problems. Camilo will highlight some of these wastewater operating challenges and show how his company, AIM Water, is helping with two key parts. First, visualization of wastewater treatment plant training via digital twin simulation around your own data. And two, giving real-time notifications for how to operate plants more effectively. So, plant operators can focus on what's important, like staying compliant and spending more time with your family. Camillo is a fellow Unleashed and Unleashed Plus grad and just all around a great human. I can't wait to watch him to succeed. And I know you'll enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed creating it. So when most people flush the toilet and they create some type of wastewater, the second it leaves their home, they don't really think about it. But we both know that wastewater goes on quite this journey to the plant and then after the plant. But for the most part, most people have no idea what is wastewater treatment and why that matters to them. Camilo, what is wastewater treatment in your eyes, and let alone even efficient wastewater treatment? Oh man, that's quite a question. Some people call it the route of the poop, poop's route, because as you said, it's a big journey. In summary, wastewater treatment is just taking the poop, the waste, the human waste, industrial waste out of the water so we can have clean water. Now people are calling it resource recovery instead of wastewater treatment. Normally, in the world, you will find so many different ways to do it because it depends on when you are, your weather, the energy access, your technology levels, etc., etc. But most of the wastewater treatment, basically the way it works, the main way it works is you have a reactor tank, a basin with bacteria. And that bacteria eats the poop using air and a lot of air. We're talking about aerobic bacteria. So you need to pump air into the wastewater and the bacteria will eat the waste. And then you move it to a different tank, what is called a sedimentation tank. And the bacteria, special bacteria, will form little balls that will sediment, fall down, and you can take out the clean water. And then you have bacteria that you also need to treat, dispose, et cetera. That's wastewater treatment in a nutshell. My fellow chemical engineers might say, hey, this is too easy but because it has ma- many more steps, but this is in a nutshell. And how you optimize it, basically what happens is you're blowing air and the amount of air you need to blow, it depends on the incoming waste. It's the morning, it's the night, it's winter, it's summer, etc. And that's when you can use data and artificial intelligence for optimizing those systems. We're going to get way more into that about the whole data and and artificial intelligence, but to keep it real right at the start with wastewater treatment, you talked about making the water clean enough to then do what? Is it to push that water into the, the water cycle to allow it to recharge a water table? Or what is done commonly with clean water from a wastewater plant? 
commonly, usually it goes to a body of water, to a river, to a lake, maybe an irrigation canal. When there are cities like Singapore, for example, Singapore recycles, the whole wastewater is recycled back into the city and people are drinking wastewater again, treated wastewater. Or cities like Berlin, the wastewater goes to a lake and from that lake, as a river, of course, that's also feeding the lake, the Berlin city takes the water for the city. So people are partially reusing and re-drinking water. And also wastewater is particularly where we're talking, treated wastewater, where we're talking about industries, many industries reuse their water on their internal process, particularly mining and mining in the desert. But generally speaking, it goes to a water body, and in that water body could be a river and the city downstream is taking water or someone is irrigating a farm, etc. So it's, it, it is, it's a finding a way to put that water back in the loop and back in the hydrological cycle, which is great. But then another thing that you mentioned that I thought was interesting is that are we moving away from the term wastewater treatment and moving more towards resource recovery? And when yeah. you say resource recovery, what does that mean? Is that recovering the water or is it recovering the poop itself in some capacity and using the poop for something? Everything. Actually, some people are talking about urban mining and mining in the wastewater, which is, yeah, maybe that's stretch. <laughs> but <laughs> so recovering clean water that you can either bring back to the ecosystems, to the ecosystem's need, because I don't see personally water as a resource. Water is part of ecosystem or water is the ecosystem. And so it's bringing water back to the ecosystem or bringing it back to our processes so we can recover it for industrial processes or our human needs. And as you said, the poop. And that's when things get complicated because, I don't know, you can, for example, take that sludge, what it's called, that bacteria. The bacteria eats the poop, so you don't have poop anymore. You have bacteria. And that bacteria, you can produce biogas with it and produce energy, for example. The city of Santiago in Chile does it. Aguasandina, the utility, they do it. You can compost it. But that's also tricky because in the city, you have even heavy metals. You know, people dump anything into the sewer, like battery, whatever you can imagine, it's going to be in the sewer. You're thinking about a car? Probably. A car could be in the sewer. It's the car's probably there. Have you seen Ninja Turtles? There's all sorts of stuff down there. I mean, I haven't seen Ninja Turtles, but I've seen mattresses. I've seen body parts. I've seen a lot of hair, a lot of hair. I'm sure. Um, And and I, I imagine that because of all the random things that humans throw down sewers, as well as just the nature of dealing with poop, that it is a challenge to operate an efficient wastewater treatment plant. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the challenges? I mean, we just talked about them, but tell me more about some of the challenges that exist with running an efficient wastewater treatment plant. It depends a lot on where you are. If we're thinking about the U.S., well, the U.S. is such a vast country and it will vary also depending on the weather. Because if you are anywhere in the north, you will have a lot of rain. So you have to deal with what what is called combined sewer overflow, basically rainwater and sewage water. If you have separate flows, you're, you're happy with it. But if you don't, you have to treat it both. And what happens when there's a storm and you have everything coming down to your plant and then, oops, it's going to wash out. All this new water from the storm is going to wash your bacteria out. 
that's an issue. If we move to, I don't know, California, to, to the desert, you need to have, they have even stronger regulatory aspects and you need to have very, very good quality on your effluent. You have to work 24-7. It doesn't matter when it is. It's New Year's. It doesn't matter. And you have to comply with regulations and deal with, especially with the crazy things that come in. Many plants have issues, especially smaller plants, when, fun fact, once actually I was called many years ago, I wasn't working with Iron Water, I was working for an engineering company, and I was called because the preliminary, fil pre preliminary filter was stuck. And there was literally a mattress there. It was a small town. There was a mattress and they couldn't deal with it. So yeah, <laughs> so, so many things that- What do you do? Did you go down and rip the mattress out and put it on your back or what? No, we called a crane and came oh. with a guy with a crane and took I, it out. I think and about... someone had, had to jump in and tie it. Because <laughs> but... I, I know there was a high school prank back in the day where you throw a mattress in the pool and the only way you can get the mattress out is with a crane. <laughs> Well, maybe they were doing that. No. Yeah, it's it might be some type of sabotage because it's the mattresses, wet mattresses are no joke. Yeah, no, so heavy. Yeah, so the issues in summary is that you have to, to comply with regulations. You have to run 24-7. You usually don't have a good budget. Usually people kind of don't care because they don't think about it. So you don't have a good budget for your operations. So you're always short of money. And you have to deal with many adversities and therefore things you wouldn't expect. Yep. So you seem to know a thing or two about wastewater treatment, wastewater plants, and some of the challenges. Why is that? Tell me more about you and the, your background and, and sort of what, what are you working on with wastewater treatment plants? So I did it. I remember when I was finishing high school, I want to do like good things for the environment. And I thought, should I be like a lawyer or an engineer? And I thought, yes, policy is key. Without political actions, let's talk about climate change. That's totally political. But at the time I thought, well, maybe as an engineer, I could have like a physical impact like right away. And as an engineer in the future, if I want to move into public policy, I can do it. But from social sciences or law, going to engineering, like that people, some people do, but it's much harder. So I decided to study chemical engineering. And when I was about to do my internship in undergrad, as we do have here in Chile, an internship for um, getting your degree, was like, should it be environment, I mean, air, water, or solid waste? And I just, the first company I called, the first one, I had a list, and the first one I called, I called was uh, an engineering, wastewater treatment engineering consultancy firm. I called them, and they were like, yeah, we're an intern right now. <laughs> That's how I started working on, on wastewater. So that, that isn't simple. The one phone call mm -hmm. that changed everything. <laughs> or, yeah, the one phone that made everything, actually. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and sorry, keep going. Yeah, so I'm grateful to my former boss, Edmundo Ganter, who I hope he's listening to this podcast. And well, from that journey, I worked on engineering with, with him, with Edmundo, building wastewater facilities with a helmet, calculations, etc. And then actually did a master's at Yale in the U.S. on water resource management. And then, it, then there I moved a bit to policy. I worked at UNDP and the World Bank on water infrastructure projects, on designing public interventions and regulations, especially for Peru and Central America, and also a few projects in, in Africa and India. And over a year and a half uh, with 
two colleagues, we started this company, AI and Water, which is born from an old idea I had from my times almost 10 years ago working with Mundo building with certain facilities. It's great to rehear that story because we met at Unleash and I had kind of heard everything up to <laughs> creating AI and Water. And of course, we've, we've had the fortune of seeing each other in, in WEF Tech in Chicago, but really interesting how you got into wastewater engineering, wanted to help the world in some capacity, and then doing the work within UND, UNDP around wastewater. So you've you've been on the commercial engineering side and then to the sort of nonprofit government entity trying to implement sustainable wastewater treatment plants. And then now mm. something was like burning inside you and you were like, I this can be done better. AIM water is going to do blink. So tell me, like, what is the purpose and mission and why does AIN Water exist now? Yeah, so it's funny that you bring this up because actually that when we met, I had the idea when thinking about how to do it and, and now here we are. So the purpose of AI or the dream is, is a very big dream is to ensure water availability and water quality for all. That's the ultimate goal. But going down to earth, the objective is to become the digitalizator of the water world. I'm sure that in 15, 10, 20 years, I don't know, we when we think about a water engineer, we think a chemical, a process, an environmental engineer, the future, I'm sure it's going to be probably a data scientist. Because water is lagging behind, we are losing so much, so many opportunities on ensuring that we use our water in a sustainable, safe way. That's where, where we want to be. We want to ensure water for all, reducing the impact, making it available cheaper, and of course, uh, making water, uh, creating ecosystems, not only, not only biological ecosystems, but industrial ecosystems that allow for smart use. Because today, it's not only about technology smart, it's, we don't care about water. We just contaminate it, dump it, reuse it. And I'm sure that using the technologies that we have available, we will be able to optimize and protect what nature gives us. I love that, Camilo. And I think it's important to have that vision of wanting to make water available and accessible for all. And and you talked too about making water available for ecosystems. And I think that's really important in line with the SDGs where we have 7.5 billion people now, soon to be 9 billion by 2050. And we're putting a lot of strain on the world around us and having water, obviously for drinking it's very important, but water for ecosystems, water for life on land, water for life below mm -hmm. land, water that is helping ecosystems to regulate climate in certain ways is, is so important. So I think that very noble of you and I'm and I excited to continue to see you and AIM Water bring that to life. But I want to go deeper into the, the technology of AIM Water. Mm -hmm. Sure. How, how does AIM Water help a wastewater treatment plant? So like, tell, paint me a picture of, I'm a wastewater treatment plant operator in Toledo or Topeka, Kansas, and I am sort of just getting by or just sort of, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm checking the boxes of compliance and maybe that's good enough, but what is their problem? And what is it that you, AIM Water is doing that is helping them optimize operations? 
Sure. This is when it gets very technical and maybe boring, but I, I will make it fun for everyone. That's right. So you are the creator and probably you're working in your plant, but you have so many things to do. You have from making a yard test to ensuring that the, I don't know, the electricity it's running, that you have all for your backup generator. You have so many tasks and you could be in Toledo in the U.S., you could be in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Mexico City, Santiago, Chile, Lome, Togo, and probably it's going to be a very similar situation, a very similar context. You have your plan, your plan is running, you have so many things to do, so you try and struggle to comply and to continue. You probably, you have a system that is working. I'm sure the system is working, but maybe your energy bill is very high, or maybe you you have issues calculating what your perch, what basically the amount of bacteria you have to take out because bacteria eats the poop and you have to take some of that new bacteria out. You struggle, struggle to know how much is it. Or maybe you have issues with what is uh, called bulking, which is basically when the bacteria doesn't sediment and it floats and it happens silently and you have to add chemicals to control it and you're running to do it. But what if you would have alerts. It will tell you, hey, you will have a bulking issue. Control it now before it's a problem. What if I take your operational data and I'm able to tell you, you know what? Maybe that set point of your oxygen level that it's two, what if it were 1.85 milligrams of oxygen per liter? Maybe you would be saving 15% energy and you could use that money for something else. else. And how we do it, it's we take your operational data, your operational data first from your sensors, um, oxygen or PPH, flows, etc. All the suspended solids, etc. All the operational data from your wastewater treatment plant. Also your lab data, your BOD results, your COD results, and also, the even the visual measurements you might have in, in your plant. Maybe you have you take a sample of bacteria and you take a photo in the in the lab. We take all that information for building what is called a digital twin, basically a model of your plant in the computer. And you will say, "Hey, but that exists." Yes and no. Today, what you have is basically what is called SMA one or two or three models, which are complex differential equations that model how your plan works. But for those models, you need parameters, biological parameters. And where does the software get it from? From basically tables, from books. And that's from another plant, from a sample, and it, it doesn't matter. It's just one parameter. It doesn't matter if it's winter, summer, night, day, night, etc. But what do we do is we take actual data from your plant and we build a model for your plant. And probably you know that maybe you have two or three reactors and they have the same wastewater, but reactor one or two are behaving differently. And, and they do behave differently because they're bacteria. They're not machines. They're living machines. And therefore, there are different ecosystems in each reactor. So using that operational data, we have this digital twin of your plant where you First, you can simulate what would happen if you know, you probably know that you can lower your set point, but you don't feel safe doing it because you don't know it's going gonna, it's gonna to be too much. How much should it be? Will, it's going to be worth it. So play around in the computer, do it. Second, you will get 
alerts of what it will happen. And it's not only, hey, your whatever level, pH level is high. Yeah, my pH level is high. But what if you're receiving an alert and it's telling you it's going to be high? And you say, okay, you're telling me it's going to be high. So what, what do I do? Oh, okay. What if I tell you add down soda to control it, for example? So you have a solution that is helping you in operation that is not replacing you as an operator. It's helping you control better your plant and focus on what matters to you, that you have a plant that is compliant and that's efficient and that is safe for everyone. Really good painted picture there. I think I have a, a close to a the most understanding I've ever had in regards to how wastewater treatment plants operate and especially how AIM water plugs in. But so I, I like the idea of it's, it's two prong there. And it's one, it's creating better simulations with your data within the digital twin. And there you can kind of play a game. You can sort of look at what might work, what might not work as we play with a couple different variables of bacteria concentration as oxygen flow rate to mm -hmm. temperatures, all these different variables. So that's part, the big part. And the other is the real-time operations by having these different data sensors to know what are these ranges of you're either too low or you're too high. Here's a suggestion, what you should do based on the data of your plant that's going to optimize it. Is exactly. that the, the one-two punch here with AM water? Yeah. Exactly. And that's the second thing, second thing you said is it's very important because operators, what happens if you're an operator, usually you're like, oh God, I have an issue. I should adjust my RAS or my WAS, which is the return ratio of, of water or the perch, et cetera. But how much? So you go take a sample, calculate it on Excel sheet and yada, yada, yada. And this tells you right away the recommendation. And probably you will say, hey, the computer is right. I mean, Maybe, hey, hey, the computer doesn't know everything. The computer is not seeing what I'm seeing here. So I do what I know. It's just helping you, um, making your operations better. Really cool. And so this model that you just told me, AM water and, and from the simulating side to the helping optimi optimizing side, where is it being used? Are there any pilot programs or success stories right now? Yeah, there are several, much more than pilots, probably, uh, um, much more than pilots. We have paying customers that are very happy with it. Right now, it's implemented in Chile and in Mexico. It, I know I know, maybe for Americans, it will sound odd, but Chileans' utilities are at the level of American utilities, and they have same technologies. Many of them were built by companies like Sanitaire, Oxylum, or ABD. And the technologies are the same. You will see the same reactor here or in Wisconsin. It doesn't matter. It's going to be very similar. We're working with Aguasandina, which is the main utility of Santiago, Chile, an 8 million people city. We're working with four more Chilean utilities, Copagua, Esal, Aguasaraucania, and we're working with two Mexican utilities as well. And we have also, well, a pork producer that I have an NDA, so I cannot tell you the name, but it's a very important pork producer in the country that they also treat a lot of pig poop. 
And we also expanding to other projects, industrial projects in Mexico, in the coffee industry, the textile industry, and also projects we hope we're going to close soon in Brazil, also with farm agriculture and wastewater from municipal wastewater. Well, there's nothing like happy paying customers. And that's a great sign of where you're at within the scale of the company. And as you were talking, I think that's another misunderstanding that a lot of people have about who deals with wastewater. It's not just the poop from from humans that the wastewater mm-hmm. operators deal with. Actually, it's coffee producers that have a lot of wastewater, textile, pork, beer, manufacturing. There's this touches everyone and we all have our own different mm-hmm. wastewater discharge parameters that we need to meet. So this is something that it has mm-hmm. much, much broader implications that is intriguing to think about. And I'm, I guess I'm now I'm kind of interested to hear what's next. You, you've shown some progress. You've shown, got some happy paying customers. You've had your, that one phone call that, that kind of steered you to where we are today. <laughs> where do you see AM water in the rest of 2022 and in the next five years from now in the next of in 2022 we see it with at least 15 more projects in latin america and hopefully in the u.s as well you must say hey why so many countries the thing what happens is that well technologies are very similar everywhere there are so many different technologies it's true but a plant in brazil or in texas is not that different i mean it's different when you talk to an expert yes there are precise things that are different, but in broader terms, they're the same technology. So the same technology applicable remotely because we take the operational data. Well, if needed, we provide it with the sensors when there is something lacking there. So the same technology we can apply anywhere. So we are looking to innovate with, uh, to find utilities or industrial partners that are willing to innovate and implement tests, try out this technology in the Americas or Maybe if you are from Malaysia, we're happy to talk to you anyways. And in the next five years, wow, that's a big question because who knows where the winds are going to blow. But we, our roadmap, we have quite um, a few things on our roadmap. By 2020, in five years, we expect to be operating plants remotely. And you're going to say, wait, what are you going to, you're going to replace people? No, we're never going to replace people. There's always a need for someone there. But we hope we will, today, the way a ration, for example, is controlled is that you have what is called the DLC, a computer in the plant sitting there doing it with the data it has right there with a very simple program, what is what usually was called PID control, which is the same from the 60s to today. So we hope to be connected to those systems and not in the next five years, maybe sooner, an operator operating those plants remotely. And we also hope to be working in the whole water cycle from the well to the wastewater and even working in monitoring basins and coordinating different actors in in a basin. And my dog is playing around with the computer cables. What are you doing, doggy? I had to put a wedge. (laughs) in my door to keep my dog out. Gotta, gotta love him. Camilla, I should have closed the door. I didn't. <laughs> it, no worries. It, it, it's human. You're not an AI <laughs> digital twin of yourself just quite yet. You're, you're human and uh, you've got interruptions and dogs. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, I just and I will say that it's so rewarding and exciting to hear about your journey and to see where you're going. And if you're listening and you are in any way involved with wastewater or some type of 
yeah, some type of wastewater discharge at any type of manufacturing or distribution or creation, a place of creation. I think AIM Water is a solution that you got to check out. And and so if people were interested in learning more, Camillo, or getting in touch, what's the best way to get in touch with the company and, and explore more more opportunities? The best way is just to go to our website, aiandwater.com, and shoot me an email, camilo at aiandwater.com, or you can find us LinkedIn, or you can call one of our clients listed on our website to have also a reference, and I'm sure everyone is going to tell you very good things about us. Love it. And special shout out to Unleash for connecting us. Yes. Unleash, unleash exactly. Plus. Particularly to Barry Liner. Yeah, Barry Liner is he's like the magnet that just keeps on connecting us. And man, do I love that guy and the whole Unleash team. And for those that aren't familiar with Unleash, I would assume you are if you're listening to this podcast. But exciting hacks coming up with Greenland as well as India at the end of the year and a bunch of hacks. So stay on the lookout for that. And Camilo, continue to keep up the great work and look forward to seeing what's next with you and AIM Water. Thank you so much, Kevin, and keep up doing this fun podcast. Thank you. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. I look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.